Hey, there's two weeks left. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, everything's due this week, right? So turn to somebody next to you, give them a high five and say, well, Jesus, we can do this together, all right? Give them a high five. Sweet. So you guys can have a seat. We got a lot of stuff going on tonight, so we want to get right to it. We're going to have a a longer time of singing uh, later on tonight, and we're also going to have communion, which is going to be awesome. So before we do that, though, and before we lean into this last week where we got to press through to the finish line, we want to spend tonight cheering each other on and hearing the gospel cheer us back into God's arms in whatever, wherever you're coming into this tonight, we're going to hear the grace of Jesus Christ poured out uh, in his word to us. Uh, and that's going to be a good word, because the last word we heard from Jesus was a real word of challenge. Right? If you were here two weeks ago, you heard from Luke 14, and Ben and Stacy taught Jesus saying, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And we all said, Right? I mean, that's a heavy call that Jesus put on us. It's serious. Jesus gives his disciples and everyone who is gathered around him this ultimatum, come with me all the way or don't come. And we heard that word from Jesus. And you might think when you hear something so powerful and so straightforward from him that people would start to walk away. But instead, what we read tonight at the very beginning of chapter 15 is that now tax collectors and sinners are all starting to gather around Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law start to mutter, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. That's the first uh, two verses of chapter 15. It's really interesting, isn't it, that when Jesus is so bold about who he is and what he's about, tax collectors and sinners start to gather around him. It's so different than the way we sometimes approach things. We're like, we've got to water Jesus down in some of these places, right? He's just too salty. We can't give that to somebody right up front. But when Jesus is bold about who he is and what he's about, it actually causes people to start gathering around him, people that might not otherwise have gathered around him. And so in the text we're going to read tonight, gathered around Jesus are two main groups, right? And we're going to have those up on the screen. You can think about tax collectors and sinners as uh, church kids who grew up and traded their faith for getting paid. Sinners, church kids who grew up and walked away from the faith because, as Billy Joel says, the sinners are much more fun, right? Okay, like one person knows that song. That's fine. What else? (laughs) The teachers of the law, church kids who grew up and became Bible college professors, And the Pharisees, church kids who grow up to become pastors and missionaries, right? These are two very different groups of people who are gathered around Jesus at this moment. And it wouldn't be surprising if a bunch of them actually knew each other and grew up together. Maybe you can relate to that. Anybody you grew up with going to church, but now you went back home over uh, Thanksgiving break and you were like, whoa, what happened there? Anyone you came to GV with, maybe you guys were going to be roommates, it was going to be awesome, and you came and you started going to the well, and they didn't, and you started passionately following Jesus, and they didn't, 
know anybody like that? Ever find yourself feeling kind of judgmental toward them? They ought to know better, right? I mean, they know this is not what God's calling them to be. What's their deal? Don't come crying to me when you get an STD, right? See, the Pharisees frequently are the butt of all of our jokes. But how about our hearts? How about when Jesus calls us to? Well, in response to the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttering, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus tells them three parables. Two are short, one's really long, and they all have the same point. But that long one has a little extra on it. And I want to share those parables with you tonight. I want to recite them to you, uh, quoting right from the text of Scripture of Luke chapter 15, adding occasional uh, comment in there, just occasional insight that helps us understand the context a little bit better. So you're welcome to follow along in Luke chapter 15, but you're also welcome to receive the word of the Lord presented uh, to you this evening. Luke chapter 15, we're going to be doing the entire story. You ready? Let me get a drink of water first. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Do you not leave the 99 in the open country and go and search until you find that lost sheep? And when you find it, you joyfully pick it up, put it on your shoulders, and carry them home. And then you call all your friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me, friends. I found my lost sheep. I tell you, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Suppose there's a woman who has 10 silver coins for her wedding dowry, and she loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully for it until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls all her friends and neighbors, and she says, Rejoice with me, friends. I found my lost coin. I tell you, There is more rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Or suppose, suppose there was a man who had two sons. And the youngest son said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so, the father divides his property between his sons. And not long after that, the youngest son liquidates his assets, devastates the family business and reputation. He takes the cash, and he goes to a far country where he squanders his entire inheritance partying. Not long after that, an economic recession hit that land, and he was broke. So he went and hired himself out. He became a hired servant to a citizen of that country, and his job was to go out in the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
Now, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I'm starving to death? I'll go back to my father, and I'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please, make me one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went home to his father. He was a long way off. His father saw him. And he ran to see him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son began to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father didn't hear it. He was too busy calling his servants. Hey, come on, get the best robe and put it on his shoulders. Get the family ring and put it back on his hand. Get sandals and put them on his feet. And you go kill that fattened up little calf because we're going to have a feast and celebrate. My son was dead. And he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was out in the field. When he got close to the house, he could hear the sound of music and dancing. So he called one of the servants over and he said to him, what's going on? Your brother's come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother was furious. He refused to go in the house. So his father came out to him and pleaded with him. But the older brother said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed anything you asked of me. And now this son of yours who squandered all of your money on hookers comes home and you kill the fatted calf for him? You've never even given me a young goat so that I could have a party with my friends. So the father says to him, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice today. Your brother was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost. And now he is found. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Three parables. Two are short. One is long. And one of them has a little extra on the end. What a picture of heaven that Jesus gives us here. Amen? The joy of heaven breaking through on the earth. It's like when a shepherd finds his lost sheep or a woman finds her lost coin or a son or a father gets his lost son home. Nothing can stop that joy. Nothing can contain that joy. The whole hosts of heaven are doing the whip and the nene. It's a party going on. 
over one sinner who repents. Everybody except one. In the shadow of these stories of gratuitous joy, feasting and dancing stands a bitter older brother who just won't go in, who stands outside of the distance thinking, stewing about a boy who, instead of getting what's coming to him, gets a party instead. Muttering to himself about how a father welcomes sinners and sons and eats with them. In the shadow of the stories of joy, the message that Jesus gives to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is crystal clear. Don't be like the older brother. The joy of heaven is breaking out right here in front of your eyes. Don't miss it. And the word of Jesus is for us too. Don't miss it when the joy of heaven is breaking through to interrupt your plans. Don't miss it when the joy of heaven is breaking through the anger that still lives in your heart. Don't miss it when the joy of heaven is breaking through the violence. Don't become numb to it because the joy of heaven is going to break through into that. The angels of heaven rejoice every time one person repents and turns to God because the angels know it's a sign. One act of repentance is a sign God hasn't given up. God is still on the move. And the angels of heaven, in spite of all the things going on in your life and in our world, the violence, the brokenness, the breakdowns in personal relationships, in the face of all of that, God is on the move. He's on the move to transform all sadness into joy. On the move to transform all lost sons and daughters into welcome home parties. The angels rejoice when one sinner repents because they know, they know that the joy of heaven is the only thing that can wipe away the tears of the earth. And so, whenever we see the joy of heaven breaking through, we have to celebrate and rejoice, amen? And the joy of heaven is breaking through. The joy of heaven is breaking out all over our campus. Have you seen it? The joy of heaven is raining down on us, and it is a sign to us, brothers and sisters, a sign that God is on the move, a sign that God has not given up on you, and God has not given up on me, and God has not given up on your roommates, and God has not given up on your parents, and God has not given up on your siblings. God is on the move. God isn't even giving up on terrorists. And God isn't even giving up on Donald Trump because he's God. Because he's God, this is who he is. He is the father who runs, who throws his arms around, and who kisses. That's who God is. And he's not giving up. Where have you seen it? I know you've seen it. Where have you seen heaven? breaking through on our campus this year. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate uh, Holy Communion, and I mean that word, celebrate. These weeks leading up to Christmas are traditionally called the season of Advent, the season where we both remember that Christ came in humility on that first Christmas, but even more, we, a season where we look, we are attentive to the presence of the Spirit of Christ right here and right now. 
It's a season of rejoicing, not because Santa Claus is coming to town, but because Jesus already came to town and because Jesus is coming back to town. Amen? So in that spirit of joy, we come to the table of Christ. We come to communion for three things. We come to remember that God humbled himself and stepped into our brokenness. We come to draw near to the one who moved heaven and earth to draw near to us. And we come to hope. To hope for that moment when God again steps into real time, into our time, to complete the work that he began on that first Christmas. And the joy of heaven covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's subversive to come to communion, friends. It always has been. It's a way... When we come into this moment, when we come to the table of Jesus, we look squarely at all the other things that would demand our loyalty and all the other things that would demand our attention and all the things that would rob us of joy, and we say, no. And instead, we put ourselves, our past, our present, and our future into the hands of the one who runs to us, throws his arms around us, kisses us, and says, welcome home. Because the band's going to come up and... uh, Prepare a song. This table is for the younger brother who is lost, and it's for the older brother who is bitter, and it's for everyone else in between to come home to the Father. So as the band comes, there will be four stations up across the room. There will be one here, one over there, one over there, and one in the back. The one in the back has a gluten-free option. So if you are in need of or you are desiring a gluten-free option, that'll be available in the back. Regular bread is also available in the back, but there will be two kinds of bread uh, in the back available. When you come, we do this by intention. Um, And so if you haven't done this with us before, this is how this works. There'll be two people standing here. One of them will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. That's the bread. And you'll take a piece off the bread Take a piece of bread off. You don't have to, like, micro it. You know what I mean? There's plenty. So take a piece of bread off. This is a sample of the great feast of heaven. Um, so take a piece off, and then you're going to talk to the next person who's got the juice, and you're going to dip it in the juice, and they're going to say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then you're going to say, thanks be to God, and you're going you're to eat the, the elements of the holy sacrament. As we approach the table tonight, reflect. Where have you seen the joy of heaven breaking through? Where have you seen the Spirit of God at work transforming, bringing life from death, bringing people who are lost home? And maybe that was you. Where have you seen it this semester? And then as uh, as we're doing that, there are also going to be these stations, uh, these next to all the stations, these baskets of markers and cardstock, yellow cardstock. And that's if you want to do a cardboard testimony where you share with one or two words, this is who you were, and this is the brokenness that was in your life. (coughs) This is where the brokenness was in your life, and this is what God's done to break through that, to bring new life and to bring restoration. So if you need an example, let me share a few with you. If you were, say, the younger brother in our story, you might write this on on the broken side. You write this on the side where we're rejoicing. If you were the older brother, you might write this on the broken side. You might write this on the new life side. Does that make sense? 
when we're done with communion, uh, you'll be welcome to, if you choose, to come up and share your testimony. And by share, I don't, you don't have to say anything. You just come up and do that. And if you want to share the story of that, how you've seen God at work uh, tonight. And this allows us to have lots of us get to share where we have seen God's spirit, the, the joy of heaven pouring out on our campus this semester. And so if you want to do that, we'd very much encourage you to do it. The only, uh, the, not a disclaimer, but the important thing about this that I learned on Friday when I was testing it out is that the letters, you, you can't have skinny letters and actually have people read it, right? The letters got to be fleshy, okay? So you got to make sure there's a little meat on those letters uh, or else no one's going to be able to see it. And we can't rejoice with you if we can't see what you've written. So if you're going to write it down, then make sure it's fleshy enough for, uh, for us all to see it. As we prepare to celebrate tonight, would you stand and we're going to say this prayer together. Ready? You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. You sent him into this world to satisfy the longings of your people for a savior, to bring freedom to the captives, to, and to establish justice for the oppressed. He came among us as one of us, taking the lot of the poor, sharing human suffering. We rejoice that in his death and rising again, you set before us the sure promise of new life, the certain hope of a heavenly home, where we will sit at the table with Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.